0: talking about it. This is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson on 900CHML. Hey,
1: it's Hamilton Today. I'm Curtis Thompson, Scott's son. Will Weber is on the board. Rulerskin is booking the guests. And in the newsroom, Dinah Weeks and Dave Woodard. The Hamilton Bulldogs lost a tough one at the Memorial Cup last night. They've done us proud and have played way more hockey than any other dog in this game.
2: Here's... Score, Torsten! What, what are we going to hear after that? A toilet flush? Holy smokes. So, you know, I texted the boy, uh, you know, we uh, sent you the intro last night. Where is it? Oh, I'm a friend's house, John. I can't do it now. Oh, come on. Three o'clock. It only comes around once a day. You're in or you're out. Come on. So, and he, I said, just do it live. Do it in front of your friends. Have them all yelling and screaming. No, I don't want to do that, man. No, 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 no. Honestly, he won't do it in front of any people. He doesn't even do it live anymore. Records it. There you go. So, uh, now you know the rest of the story. Behind the hollowed halls of Kurt's intro uh in some kids bathroom somewhere. All right, uh good afternoon. It's Hamilton today. Will Weber on the board, uh Dave in the newsroom, Willers get in the cloud, of course, booking the guests for today, and uh hope you're having a great one. As we head into uh the first official long weekend of the summer of twenty twenty two uh in Canada Day, eh? Canada Day, eh? And get your flag out. Come on. You know, there's people that say, I don't want to put my flag up. Uh, people will think I'm a terrorist. You're kidding me, right? (laughs) You're kidding me. The flag belongs to everybody, including you and me. So get it out there. It's Canada Day. Come on. Come on. I don't want to be... Well, we're going to talk about this a little later on, because there are some people that think if they display a Canada flag that uh, they're supporting hooliganism or, you know, who knows what. So I guess we have a half... So now we have to have two flags for Canada Day. We have to have a flag for the left... And a flag for the right. Is that really what we've come to? And then when you guys figure out what that is, uh, we'll decide on a flag for the center, which is the majority of the population in this great country of Canada, which is celebrating its birthday tomorrow. All right. uh, a, A great big show coming up. Hope you hang around for it. Lots of news going on. The big news, gas going down at midnight tonight, 11 cents. Uh, Part of that due to uh, Doug Ford and lowering provincial gas taxes. Wouldn't it be nice if uh, Justin Trudeau, who seemed to be deaf to this, the only leader that isn't talking about rising fuel prices because apparently these high prices um, get you on your bicycle and stop you from driving so much. Uh, Once again, as Europe is uh, Germany trying to make a deal with Canada to buy some natural gas. The issue is... They shut down, uh, and they didn't build any of those terminals and pipelines that we need to really actu- actually distribute the stuff. Uh, so once again, the store is closed uh, right in the middle of a sale. All right, so uh, we'll talk about that coming up a little later on. But of course, the Bulldogs play some of that uh, uh, background stuff from the uh, from the big uh, gathering that was today down at Gore Park. Yes, we love uh, This Hamilton. is earlier today, big festival.
0: Bulldogs.
2: Everybody starts, the mayor's go. trying to speak, and everybody starts screaming bulldogs. So uh, unfortunately, the Bulldogs lost last night to uh, St. John's Sea Dogs by a score of six to three. And uh unfortunately, I uh, didn't come home victorious, but man, what an incredible season, what an incredible run, what an incredible comeback from losing the first two games uh, of this tournament. And I can't get over the fact, and Kurt and I my son were talking about this last night. Uh, and you know, we get the whole idea behind the sea dogs, and if you get the uh you know if it's your if it's your gig, if it's your party, you get to go. I get it. Uh, but, you know, here here are teams that have been playing since last August. And, you know, these guys have had 39 days off to watch film and concentrate on the couple of teams that could make it through. So, uh, again, I'm not not sour grapes. No, 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 no. But it really is a little, a little odd uh, when you think about it at the end of the day. But congratulations to the Bulldogs. An absolutely fabulous job this season. And uh, all of Hamilton is proud. Here's what President Steve Stales had to say today.
3: This is the
0: most special team that I've ever been around in hockey. As in playing days, coaching,
3: anything, like that. I have never seen a group play with the one word that comes to mind is courage.
2: All right, there you go. And again uh courage is a great word because coming back from what they where they had been and uh and turning things around after you know that massive winning streak uh way back in the season at the beginning so at the beginning of all this run the playoffs and such so uh again a great run for uh, the Hamilton Bulldogs, kudos to them and uh, everybody in the Bulldogs organization po- for providing another incredibly uh, entertaining year. And can't wait to see what's uh, in store for next year. All right. We got a jam-packed show coming up, and I hope you hang around for it. Uh, Supercrawl 2022, man, doesn't that feel good to say, uh, is back. It's back on the street and uh, bigger and better than ever. I hope so. Tim Potasik is going to be joining us, Sonic uh, Onion Records, and talk about what this year's edition is going to be like. Also, uh, Biden talking about uh, how they can change things in regard to the Roe versus Wade and what other options are uh, down there for this giant step backwards for uh, the United States of America. We'll talk about that coming up uh, in a little bit. Is there really anything we can do other than, or they can do, uh, other than, uh, of course, change the complexion of their Supreme court which could take a while uh, what are the options we'll talk about that coming up a little later on also uh, i'm watching various screens yesterday as i have on during the show at all times you know because you got to keep your finger on the pulse of what's going on and there's our old friend david dames uh like literally in the niagara falls and i'm thinking my goodness what has the man done but there's another attraction that's opened up there that takes you right to the bottom of uh of the falls which is it was just a spectacular view to see so i can only imagine imagine what it is uh like in real life so we'll talk to david coming up a little later on as we kick off the summer of 2022 and man doesn't it feel good to even say that after what we've been through for the last two and a half years uh here's another thing that uh you'll be excited to hear about super crawl 2022 uh it is back james street north and uh they have revealed the lineup for uh uh, for this year and it's amazing just the sheer number of acts uh that are performing over the course of Supercrawl to talk more about all of this Tim Potisic is with us Sonic Onion Records Supercrawl Productions because Beer Mills Hardware Bridgeworks with us now Tim how are you i hope you're doing well
4: i'm great thanks
2: how are you I'm doing good. So how does it feel? What is it going to be like this year? Have you got a weight off your shoulder? Is it, you're still very cautious about everything? How does uh, this, ca- th- this super crawl compared to what we've been experiencing in pre super crawl uh, events? Or sorry, pre pandemic uh, no events.
4: Cautiousness. That's for sure. Uh, relief. Yes. Super happy to be back doing it the way it had it always been intended to be done. So we're just really, really thrilled that, you know, we're back, we're back in business and we can do what we do. So
2: how would you compare this to the pre pandemic, uh, super crawl? Is it as big? Is it bigger? Uh, what's the difference? Have you, what have we learned? How has it expand?
4: Uh, I'd say it's, there's some like slight slight tweaks to what the last, uh, on street version, which was 2019. Uh, but very, it's very much the same size. Um, and we do have more announcements coming, of course. There'll be a little bit more music being announced uh, in July and theater and dance, uh, fashion, uh, hosts, like craft vendors, food trucks, and then, you know, some uh, work we're going to do with the local community for the businesses. So, um, you know, it's just, it's just great to be back and like doing it, like I said, like back, being back on the street. That's what this festival is all about.
2: What do you learn from going through a global pandemic? Um, everybody has, in some form, this has affected them. What has it meant for Supercrawl? I, I remember talking before, and in, in, in just now, more interest in all of these events from an international perspective because of the exposure online.
4: Well, I mean, you know, we persevered through the pandemic the best we could with doing live streams, as, as many as we could afford to do, keeping mm-hmm. people employed and keeping, you know, the momentum going. Um, I'll be honest, every time we did one, it was like, oh, I can't wait till this is over. It was yeah. still like pleasurable to do in the moment, but also, you know, had a, had a, just a, uh, had an overtone of like, ugh, yeah.
0: can we
4: just get back to normal, you know, um, the whole time. So, uh, of course, my optimism was like, ah, things like eight weeks.
5: <laughs> Two years later. Wrong.
4: Yeah. Um, um, But uh, clearly happy that it is, you know, I say it's over. I think it's over in my mind. But again, I'm a very big optimist. I know it's still happening out there. I know there's some people still affected by it. Um, Obviously, I'm not trying to belittle that in any way. But we, we definitely need to just, you know, get back on with life, knowing that it exists and that we have to just, you know, it's just part of life now. There must be an incredible
2: amount of excitement around this event, even though it's, you know, it's not your first rodeo. You've done this a few times, but there just must be a different buzz around this one, even even during, uh, you know, the preamble and up to the event, uh, just because there hasn't been one for so long.
4: Yeah, I mean, it was like definitely a buildup. Also weird, too, because normally I'd be way, way pre-planned, and I would have been sitting on this lineup that you've seen today for months and months. And I actually haven't been, it's been very much not last minute, but like, you know, up to the wire really like building the Mm -hmm. lineup. Um, Just so many moving parts still in the world of live and the world of music, people coming out, bands on tour, COVID still affecting shows uh, and affecting tour schedules, the prices of everything going through the roof. So artists not being able to you know, really tour like they were before. So everybody taking a big sigh, a big, deep breath and trying to figure out how to actually do it again. So there's a lot of relearning. Um, but with that becomes, yeah, comes that new excitement of like, all right, we're 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 back. And, you know, the things that have happened so far in this community around in Hamilton and Burlington so far, uh, that I've seen, uh, amazing, including, you know, like that, Incredible uh, show last weekend yeah. <laughs> and Burlington yeah. Sound of Music was fantastic. Yeah. And like, you know, there'll be some other great events that are coming up in Hamilton. I always give props to my friends at Festival of Friends and It's Your Festival and like, you know, Cactus Fest and all the things that ha- like Hamilton and region are known for. So exciting. I urge everybody to get out and go to all of them because they're all awesome.
2: Man, and I'm sure all of them will see great attendance uh, this year. Uh, we cannot wait for Supercrawl 2022. Tim Potasick with his son, uh, Sonic Onion Records. Supercrawl Productions, Because Beer, Mills Hardware, Bridgeworks 2, plugged in everywhere. And uh, it is back, Supercrawl 2022. Check out their website at supercrawl.ca to find out more. Tim, good luck moving forward. Fingers crossed, and uh, congratulations
4: to be back. Yeah, thank you. We're pleased, really pleased.
0: You're listening to the Hamilton Today podcast from 900 CHML.
2: I want to bring in Brian J. Karam, political analyst for CNN, White House reporter, columnist for Salon.com, the Washington diplomat, host of Just Ask the Question podcast, and author of Free the Press, The Death of American Journalism and How to Revive It, and uh, talk about everything that's going on in the United States. Uh, Heading into the weekend, get a bit of an update. Brian J. Karam with us now. Brian, thank you for the time. I hope you're well.
6: Doing well, doing well. How about yourself, Scott?
2: All right. Can't 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 complain. We're heading into a holiday weekend, so uh, we're a day or so ahead of you, but I know you're right behind us, so uh, north or south of the border, it's going to be fun. Uh,
6: all right. As long so- as there's bourbon involved, I'll be happy.
2: <laughs> there you go. So And that's on both sides of the border, I might add. There you go. All right. So uh, let's talk about uh, first gun uh, and just give us some updates on this gun legislation, the gun control uh, stuff. It does. And we've talked about this a bazillion times. Any teeth here? Anything uh, progressive happening? Anything moving forward here?
6: Well, we can answer that with one word. No, Uh, this is the United States of America, man. Uh, The biggest problem, even if the Congress um, decides that they're going to enact gun legislation, the gun owners will take it to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court has shown that they will uphold uh, what they perceive the Second Amendment means when it really doesn't mean that. And they will uh, keep unrestricted access to weapons and handguns. Uh, It's a paramount concern of theirs and they'll keep it in the forefront. So I I have little hope that there will actually be anything done uh, in in the next few years regarding this. So is
2: this just lip service? uh, What the other side has to say?
6: Yeah, it's, it's an attempt to do something, but it it is, it, it, at the end of the day, just empty lip service if nothing is done. And if the, uh, you know, you're looking at a Supreme Court that is extremely, extremely conservative. They are not going to pass things that are going to impact their, their, they call themselves originalist thinkers, but what they really are are slaves to the Catholic Church and to the gun owners. So they're going to not do anything that would, uh, it, any decision that is made in Congress, any law that is passed within a year or two will be before the Supreme Court. And this Supreme Court will destroy uh, any attempt to um, legislate uh, handgun
2: restrictions. And around we go again. All right. Regarding the Supreme Court, Roe versus Wade. uh, Is there any recourse here other than waiting for the next time to change the Supreme Court or the the personnel on the Supreme Court? What options are there here?
6: Again, these are. This is. Uh, you have to understand. This Supreme Court, the, the conservative wing of this Supreme Court, is made of six ultra-conservative Catholics. Mm-hmm. The ones who have voted against it are all Catholic. All of them, Opus Dei Catholics, are very close to it. And these conservative Catholics are not going to accept anything, even the precedent of law. Fifty years of of uh, access to legal abortions upended in a night. And that would be, for example, women got the vote in this country in 1920, 21. Fifty years later, Roe v. Wade came along. Fifty years after Roe v. Wade, they got rid of Roe v. Wade. What if 50 years after the fact that women got the vote, instead of uh, getting Roe v. Wade in 1971, women lost the right to vote? That's the equivalent of what we're looking at today. It's just a uh, uh, it's a hatred of women. It's uh, misogynistic. It is uh, very much based on their ideas of what uh, theocracy is, and they're trying to turn the United States into a, a, a Christian fascist state.
2: Obviously, the states individually have their own laws and can uh, and that's uh, where it's going to land. That's, and permit absolutely this to happen. Right. So what, what is happening with that? Will you see more states open up or will be the, there be pressure on those states to close down? Because uh, c- obviously, really, you're just pushing this discussion onto the states now.
6: Yeah. And what will happen is uh, on the East Coast, um, maybe in Illinois uh, because of Chicago and the, the West Coast states, uh, you'll have a uh, legal abortion, but let's be honest, man. If it's it doesn't matter if you're rich, you'll be able to do whatever you want. The people mm. that will suffer from this decision are poor people okay. that will be people of color, brown, black, and even poor white people. Uh oh, you know, that's that's it. That those are the people that are suffering because of this decision. They won't be able to get health care or uh, abortion, but rich people will have both, and so you're just going to have. A, a, a huge problem twenty years from now um, with poor and and violent. You know, I, I think crime will be affected. Poor people will be affected. I I don't think this is a wise decision on, by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think the Supreme Court looked past their own nose. You can't claim to be pro life if you don't have universal health care.
2: And we don't got it in this country. Mm. Uh, it's And it's amazing to think that, you know, with a stroke of a pen, you can you you can go back 50 years. You may change a law or something, but you can't change society. Uh, you can't make them go back 50 years. Yeah, um, and that's it's the most, uh, you know, the, the thing about that guy is
6: this is the most bipartisan issue in mm. the, in the United States. 70% of the people in this country favor a woman's right to choose. Yeah. And it is an oppression and a tyranny of the minority.
2: So will we see or will you see a change in politics at the state level, more interest in state level politics, increase voter turnout, increase interest in those state level, uh, that state level politics?
6: Well, yeah, I would hope. But the 2022 election, they're already saying the Republicans will probably take back the House and then the Democrats may or may not keep the Senate. Um, If if the Democrats lose the House and the Senate, this country is done. You will have to erect a wall in across the border, your southern border, to keep us out because people will be fleeing like you wouldn't believe.
2: All right, January sixth. Where we, uh, where are we with that uh, heading into the weekend? Obviously, some incredible uh, testimony from Cassidy Hutchinson on uh, on what she heard and what she saw. Uh, how are we, what's what's <laughs> new? What's an update going in? What can we expect next week, Brian? Yeah. God
6: only. Scott, if you had told me I'd ever write a sentence that begins with "the president of the United States tried to choke out his Secret Service driver to attend an insurrection," I would have thought you to be nuts. Nice.
2: I, <laughs> I think the best line is, "Sir, take your hands off the wheel."
6: Yeah, <laughs> that's me. Hey, hey, in my most feverish nightmares, I never dreamed that I would tell people that a former advisor to the president, a decorated retired U.S. Army general with years of service to his country under his belt, would take the Fifth Amendment when asked by a Republican member of yeah, Congress, yeah. Do you believe in a peaceful transfer of power? That's what Mike Flynn did. God only knows what we're going to see next week after the break. I I think they're talking about coming back the earliest they would come back would be the 17th. But who knows? I really think that we have to see Cipollone. I would like to see uh, Meadows. I would like to see, um, you know, Mike Pence. I I think that she that Cassidy brought with her some information that was shocking in its scope and directly links Donald Trump to organizing this insurrection and for that Can you he bl- should be charged.
2: Can you blow off her testimony? It's one person's opinion. Uh she overheard some no, things. It wasn't she witnessed it. The the only thing that was hearsay, the
6: only and it doesn't really matter, you know, yeah. this part of it was the most minor part of it. You know, reaching across and trying to choke out the the driver. Yeah. That was hearsay. Someone told her that yeah. and she repeated it. But everything else, the tantrums, the the you know, j- the part where he said just say the election was corrupt and leave the rest to me in the Republican Congress. Uh, all of that she heard. And she even heard the part where he said, you know, I don't care if they have weapons. They're yeah. not coming after me. <laughs> yeah. that's, I mean, yeah. that's, like, yeah. that, I, that's That's a sentence I never thought I'd write either.
2: But. All right. And, and and you know what? It's uh, There's more to come. Uh, Brian J. Kram with us, political analyst for CNN, White House reporter, columnist for Salon.com, and The Washington Diplomat. Brian, as always, I couldn't think it could any, get any, enter, enter, any more entertaining than it already is, but my goodness, we're there. We'll chat again yeah. soon. Have a great weekend.
6: You too. Have, have a happy uh, first and fourth. <laughs> Back
2: at you.
0: When there's an issue, Scott is all in on getting to the heart of it. This is Hamilton. Today with Scott Thompson. On Hamilton's News, today's talk. 900 CXML.
2: We were talking a little earlier about uh, Supercrawl coming back this year. Boy, it's great to be talking about getting out and about after uh, two and a half years of uh, lockdowns and such and pandemics and what have you. And this week, the Niagara Parks Commission officially opened the tunnel experience at the Niagara Parks Power Station. This looks absolutely incredible. And to join us, a familiar name, David Adames is with us, CEO of Niagara Parks Commission, and he's with us now. David, thanks for the time. I hope you're well.
7: I'm very well, Scott. Thanks so much for covering the story of the Niagara Parks Power Station and our new tunnel attraction.
2: This is uh, very cool. So I've got like a bazillion screens around me as I'm doing the show. I look over to one, and I recognize you immediately. There's David Adames, and like the falls are on top of him. It's like, what the heck is he doing? He's at the bottom of the falls. It is an incredible view, and that's. And I'm sure the camera does it no justice at all. But tell everybody what this is, what this is, and what it's all about.
7: It's a whole new perspective on uh, the Horseshoe Falls, the American Falls, and the Lower Niagara Gorge. So uh, as of tomorrow, Niagara Parks is opening the tunnel, which is phase two of our adaptive reuse of a decommissioned hydroelectric power station. So we call it the Niagara Parks Power Station. We opened phase one last year so people can tour the uh, generator hall floor. Uh, It's a great engaging site, architecture, science, technology, engineering, engineering. Tells a story of entrepreneurs and innovators from the early 20th century, and then effective tomorrow, your listeners can explore the underground infrastructure. So this power station is much like an iceberg. Now, 80% of it is below ground. So I uh, <laughs> guess we'll de- will descend a glass enclosed elevator, 180 feet, and then we've lit up all the layers, all the different floors down below, so they can see how all the intricacies of how the power station worked. They'll end up in the wheel pit, and that's where all the water came out of the penstocks to go back in the river after it generated power. They'll walk through the spectacular brick-lined 2,200-foot tunnel and emerge on the other side of the falls out to a new viewing platform that we've constructed into the, uh, the lower Niagara River. And uh, so, as you're saying, the views are unbelievable. It's a new perspective, never before seen
2: uh you know what i, I couldn't believe it. just like taking a look at the maid of the mist and you're always looking down at the maid of the mist unless you're on it or any of the other boats that uh that tour around there and 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 they look like a, a barge coming into hamilton harbor it, it's it's <laughs> unbelievable um what what were these used for up until now how long did it take you to get all this done because it seems like wow this is a, a really one of the best kept secrets
7: well, the adaptive reuse of the power station, we did it over two years, uh, and we did this during during a pandemic. Uh, mm. So it was a huge team effort supported by our, our commissioners, uh, the staff team fully engaged. Uh, we dealt with over 75 subcontractors on this uh, adaptive reuse project. The tunnel itself, uh, we did a, de- a design build through Rankin Construction. Uh, they did the... Uh, the um, adaptive reuse of that tunnel, so we poured a uh, a walking platform to get out to that viewing platform. Actually, built the new uh, viewing platform, so it was a tremendous amount of work on the tunnel itself over the last twelve months. Uh, but now it is ready to open to the uh, to the public tomorrow.
2: It sounds incredible. Why uh, why is it not in use anymore?
7: So the power station was generating twenty five hertz power, and that uh, became antiquated. Um, actually, really in the, the uh, mid part or latter part of the 20th century, but the power station operated up until 2006. It was still supplying power to an industrial site in Fort Erie, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, it was too expensive to uh, renovate the power station. So today, the Sir Adam Beck uh, hydroelectric yeah. power station near Queenston, they're that's generating hydro, whereas we Niagara Parks have three decommissioned hydro plants. They're all built. Uh, this one was built in 1905. The other two were built in 1906. Uh, They were really Ontario's first green energy projects and uh, generating clean power. uh, And now we are able to share, for generations of Ontarians to come, this new experience called the Niagara Parks Power Station.
2: And what a feat of engineering for its time, for its day.
7: Oh, it's unbelievable. I mean, the the architecture, because it's it's located near Niagara Falls, uh, along the Niagara River, so it's really understanding sense of place. So the architecture is a nod to this uh, very, uh, again, special environmental place. And uh, the technology used, and imagine back in those days, they, they used a lot of dynamite, uh, mm-hmm. horses and carriages, and a lot of people uh, to actually construct this power station in four years.
2: So there's no chance that we're all down there, David. All of a sudden, somebody leans on the wrong button, and they open up a tap, and you know, the next thing you know, we're out uh, <laughs> into the river
7: no, it's a very safe safe attraction. We we have the railing up on the viewing platform, but my, you can see the uh, uh, the gorge wall. If you look backwards, you can see the uh, the, um, the boat tour experiences, both May of the Mist and Niagara City Cruises. They're at eye level. Uh, it feels quite close. And then you know, look just looking at the um, the, the horseshoe, uh, the horseshoe falls wow. to the right. It's again a whole new perspective. We want lots of Instagram uh, moments on that viewing platform. Uh, yesterday, when we had. Uh, some stakeholders visit. There are lots of uh, social media posts taking place. But really, it's a, it's a way to enjoy and experience Niagara Falls in a whole new way. Uh, how
2: many can it accommodate at any given time down there?
7: On the viewing platform itself, uh, upwards of, of uh, 300 people in the tunnel itself, wow. uh, it's, it's very you know, large and long in terms yeah. of uh, 2,200 feet, so probably up to upwards of 1,000 people. But I suspect, we'll any, any given time, you know, somewhere between 250 and 500 people will be down there.
2: Man, who would have thunk that there's anything uh, we could see from Niagara Falls at a different perspective? But holy smokes, this is incredible. Uh, are you expecting a lot of interest in this, David?
7: Uh, we sure are, uh, the, uh, and uh, again, I appreciate uh, CHML covering the story. We've had lots of uh, interest from media outlets on it because, to, as you described, it's a whole new way to see Niagara Falls, and we're very proud of this accomplishment. Uh, it's a new tourism attraction to help with tourism recovery uh, coming out of COVID as well. You know, I talked to a couple from uh, Mississippi yesterday, another from North Carolina, another from Alabama. Hmm. Uh, they were thrilled with the, uh, with the site.
2: Wow, what a great idea. Uh, the Niagara Parks Commission officially opening the tunnel experience at the Niagara Parks Power Station. Uh, just from what I've seen, it's it's unbelievable. What a great reason to go uh, back to the falls. David Adames with the CEO of uh, Niagara Parks Commission. Congratulations, David. Uh, great effort and a great uh, a great attraction. Good luck with this moving forward.
7: Oh, thanks so much, Scott. And uh, if you want to come for a visit, just let me know.
2: We are hearing about various uh, other variants uh, coming out of uh, COVID-19 and Omicron, which is where we are now. Um, obviously, as the fall approaches, there is some concern about uh, increasing in cases and such. And the uh, National Advisory Committee on Immunization, NACI, is recommending a vaccine booster. This fall, in advance of any possible future waves, uh, the guidelines issued Wednesday recommends can, uh, Canadians at an increased risk of serious il- illness uh, be offered the fall booster dose regardless of the number of booster doses previously received. talk more about all of this, Dr. Timothy Sly, epidemiologist, professor emeritus in the School of Population Public Health, Toronto Metropolitan University. Tim,
3: as always, thanks for the time. I hope you're well. Yes, Scott. Good afternoon. Yes. So, uh,
2: you know, it's been a long time since we've started or since we've talked about this. And, um, you know, obviously, Omicron not as serious uh, spreads very quickly, but not as serious as the previous uh, variants have been uh, in, in hospitalizing people and making them ill and such. Uh, but there is concern going into the fall and Nassy recommending uh, boosters. Your thoughts on where we are and what we should be doing heading into the fall?
3: Well, it's are uh, right, Scott. We need to be looking at uh, at reality. I mean, everybody wants to give up this thing and just get back to the beach and the park and everything else, but hold on the virus doesn't get that same memo and in some areas for britain for example we're seeing an increase in some areas of this thing coming along where we're seeing a proportion now in ontario that's due to uh, a new omicron variants the, the ba4 and ba5 they're taking dominance now if you can imagine something even better transmitting than the last one so it hasn't gone away and we said it wouldn't go in a way. it's with us now for for a foreseeable future, Uh, so we need to just be looking carefully at how to... And remember, we've in the past have uh, have said it'll probably settle down to something like a fall booster shot Mm -hmm. ad infinitum, and I think we're beginning to nudge into that area now. So who should get this come fall? Well, clearly... The top are, let, let me back. Take one step back. I was looking at the figures, and it's still hovering perilously, just slightly lower than lower than one. The 50% of the people who got their third shot, in other words, the original two plus the original boost. Although we mm-hmm. should be calling that a basic fully vaccinated means three shots that's what the nature of this particular thing is but it's only about 50 percent have actually got that third shot we'd like to see that increased because as we said before in the past that's the real advantage that's the real uh, uh, additional benefit is going from the basic two up to the three the four is essential for people who are vulnerable and they've got diabetes and they're pregnant and they're overweight and all of the long list of stuff that we had before. But the first, our priority is to try and convince the people who haven't got their third shot to go and get that. That'll right. be the, the, the best bang for your, for the society's money. Then with the fourth chart, first of all, with all the people who are uh, highly vulnerable, and I, I see Nasi has now come out and, and actually listed some of those. There are people who are racialized and marginalized, and there's a long list of people like that. People who are aged, of course, people who got all, all those uh, underlying conditions, people in jails, uh, homes uh and uh, let's uh, and they're beginning to talk about the age of course in ontario we're, we're looking at 65 ish quebec has mm-hmm. been down to more than 18 new brunswick saskatchewan i guess more than 40 49 and and nova scotia is about the same uh, we shouldn't be holding back on it. And, and, the, and the horrible thought of actually throwing vaccines away because they expire, that should not be happening as long as it's not gone into arms and their arms ready to go into. Forget about age. So ultimately, mm. if it's offered to you, just take it and uh, make a noise that you really want to have it.
8: What about
2: what is in this booster, Timothy? Is it the same shot we've been receiving all along? Is this a different shot? What's in this
3: one? Well, there's a lot of work being done now by the vaccine companies and there's a, on the horizon there is a couple of variations that, w- that will be more specific to the Omicron family because it's a whole family of variants now. Yeah. So by the time the fall rolls along and you can be bet between now and then there'll be lots of uh, fine tweaking and seeing if we can get it out in a, in a more more targeted form but you're going to see more and more, just like it is with the influenza every year. You know, you line up in October for your flu shot, and that's not the same as it was the year before. It's going to be uh, according to what the most popular flavor has been for the last 12 months, uh, and that's what'll be on this year's flu shot. Well, it's the same kind of thing with COVID, and we can begin to see that could be. And remember with the mRNA vaccines, it's not that difficult to tweak them according to to, uh, tailor-made versions
2: dr timothy sly with us epidemiologist professor emeritus school of population and public health toronto metropolitan university nasi has uh, recommended vaccine booster shots this fall uh, especially for those in high risk situations uh, to get a uh, to get an early jump on uh, what could be another variant uh tim as always thanks so much for the time be well have a great weekend have a great weekend thanks scott
0: You're listening to the Hamilton Today podcast from 900 CHML.
2: We were talking about this, and this was a poll question of the day uh, earlier on in the week. Uh, Do you look at the Canadian flag differently uh, now that it was used in the uh, Freedom Convoy protests? And, you know, obviously our Twitter poll is not very scientific at all. Uh, But 67% said yes. And, you know, as the week went on, there was more and more uh, chatter about this and some people thinking that, you know, uh, somehow the flag doesn't represent them anymore. So now what do we need? Like a flag for the left and a, th- a flag for the right? And for those of us that are in the center, what, we rip each one in half and sew it up? Like, well, what I can't believe this. This is a flag for everyone that's Canadian, even if you don't all think the same way. Uh, let's bring in Alyssa Freeman, PR pop culture expert. She's with us now. Alyssa, thanks for the time. I hope you're well.
1: Well, I was just having a good chuckle there. I don't know if you caught that, Scott, but I was.
2: What, what, are, you, what are your thoughts on this? I can't, you know, I, I'm, I'm, well, I'm talking about it. So who the hell am I? I'm no different. But uh, are, you, are you, can you believe that people feel different about the flag because of the protest? I mean, I guess I see your point, but no, I, I can't see myself feeling differently about our national flag.
1: You know, I have to tell you that when I'm driving down the highway or on a street and I see a pickup truck uh, flying Canadian flags, I think, oh, convoy people. There you go. And I I do think that. I actually do think that. And it's funny because this is something that I've been doing a little research. This is on social media. This is around the dial. People are talking about this and people have very different um, understandings and connotations since the rally. You get people who were at the rally saying, oh, it was all about peace and love. And I'm like, oh, right. And Nazi flags and whatever. So, and then you have other people saying, yes, I do think about it differently. And what I'm thinking, Scott, is let's just take back the flag for what it is. It's a great flag. This is a great country. I'm not not going to celebrate Canada Day because somebody thinks that I'm, you know, part of the convoy. When I pulled into my uh, husband has a showroom with some delivery trucks and he put the Canadian flag on front of the truck and the first thing I thought was,
0: <laughs> 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 but,
1: then, but then I thought, well, why not? We we love living yes. here. This is still the greatest country in the world and I'm not going to let a bunch of quote unquote Protesters. I'm not going to call them truckers because I don't believe them to be truckers. Yeah. I'm not going to let a bunch of far-right pro- protesters take away my love for my country and my flag.
2: Are we so unpatriotic that we're even having this discussion? Are we so in the closet that we're even having this discussion i mean you know you look at the united states and the history it has and the history of its flag and its flag being used during demonstrations or this that or the other do you think that the americans are sitting there and going well you know because they did this to storm the Capitol, i'm not thinking i'm gonna fly it anymore i mean it's bizarre (laughs)
1: Your impressions are killing me, but you're probably right on. I think that's a great point. Ever since January 6th, have people taken away the flags from their front porches in, in Main Street uh, America? No. You know, they're not all bent out of shape out of it. I mean, it re- still resembles being, resembles being patriotic, but in their own personal way. So... I haven't heard that people think of the American flag any, any differently. I mean, there's been protests all over the world about something that people are unhappy about the government. Well, that has been since the beginning of time. And as far as I'm concerned with this convoy, you know, they came there under the pretense of, you know, we have too many restrictions because of COVID. Well, guess what? We don't have those restrictions anymore. So now what are you protesting? I, I, really, it's almost like they're trying to get their 15 seconds of fame back. And I'm not sure that people really care anymore, except that they're clogging traffic. So I'm with you. Let's take back our flag. If people, you know, if, if they think that I'm part of the convoy, let them come up and say, are you part of the convoy? No, I just love my country.
2: It's uh, it's kind of funny. It, it's bizarre. And, you know, uh, also, uh, I find it funny all of the attention being put on Ottawa. Uh, this week, because um, there's more rumors floating around that because of the Canada Day celebrations, which are still abbreviated, uh, that, that, that they're all coming back. And, you know, I, I look back at this at this demonstration in Ottawa and it started and then it got bigger and then it got bigger and then it got bigger, and and nobody did anything. Nobody nobody even batted an eye for the first week of this. They thought it was all funny and going to go away. And now, all of a sudden, they've got a plan. Well, if, if you had addressed this at the very beginning in the wintertime, you wouldn't have needed the Emergencies Act to get the people out in the end. So, to me, it, it, it's, it's a self-created problem, and now it's like, well, we finally got a plan. Well, good for you. Uh, you had all the intelligence ahead of time where was the plan last time?
1: A hundred percent. And that's why the Ottawa chief of police who was uh, the chief during that time is no longer there because reportedly they were very sympathetic to the convoy. And they said, like, don't worry, we're not going to do anything about it. So until and so they let it get to a point where then they had to bring in the Emergencies Act. And, you know, I'm sitting here thinking while you're talking is that if this convoy is about freedom, they should not be taking away my freedom or my definition of what I believe the Canadian flag stands for. So really on with bearing that in mind, I don't think that anybody should be afraid to fly the Canadian flag. I don't think anybody should be afraid that they will be um, associated with the convoy because that is their right and their freedom. And we all apparently have a different uh, definition or expansion of that definition of what freedom is. So I, I think that you know, the convoy did get out of hand because of bad management. And because of the bad management, we're having conversations about whether we feel good about the flag or not. I mean, it should never have gotten to that point. And I agree with you, Scott. It should have been nipped in the bud right away.
2: Uh, But, you know, getting back to the freedom thing, I'm not sure I agree with you on this because, you know, you're saying, well, people are, you know, oh, we've got all the freedoms now, the mandates are gone, what's the problem, what's the freedoms now, what do we, and I think there's a, I think there's a changing of tone in this country, and, you know, it might be not freedom as far as my ability to step here or to do this or to do that, but I think it generally speaks to the overreach and the parenting and the condescending tone, and the patronization that we get from the upper levels of this government and the complete lack of mix uh, of management they seem to have over the country, other than doling out money during a crisis, which is what you, I guess you need to do. So, you know, the freedom, yes, we, you know, we're, we're not losing our rights to an abortion like they have in the United States. But I think what the freedom means is just. Too much parenting, too much overreach, too much condescending patronization coming from our leader. And I'll be honest with you, I hold the Prime Minister solely responsible for the convoy simply because he inflamed the other 10% and instead of instead of celebrating the 90% who were vaccinated, he went after the 10% that weren't in order to win an election and in order to divide the country. And he mocked them at the beginning and he walked away and turned their back and then calls in the Emergency Act when he can't get rid of them. So I think that's the loss of freedom people are talking about. I think it's overreach
1: look you know what Scott you brought in what's happening you you alluded to Roe v. Wade and I think that if you and I'm sure you have like many many Canadians have been looking to see what's going on with the Supreme Court so there's overreach in all sorts of when you slide along the political political yeah. spectrum and right now what we're seeing in the states is, is what is can be very rightly termed. It's overreach on the
2: other side it's overreach, it's overreach on, on the right on the, other and we're, si- on, yeah. uh, on
1: the right so you know they're now lifting uh, environmental protections they've overturned Roe v. Wait. I mean, what's going to be next? Clarence Thomas was talking about, you know, legitimacy of being of being gay. You know, uh, how is how is all this now going to play out? So I think that if you're going to pick your poison as to what overreach you're going to live with, I'll be on this side of the border. Thank you.
2: And you know, what? I-, I disagree with that because I don't want to be on the extreme right or the extreme left, because that's not where I live. And I don't believe most of Canadians live there. They live in the center, which is why we go back and forth every single election. So, uh, again, I'm not playing on either one of these teams. I'm not falling for either one of these extremisms.
1: I know, but it is where we're living right now. But I think that you and I are old enough to also remember the people that we did vote for. And I think that in um, the 70s and the 80s and even the 90s, politics was definitely more either just left of center or just right of center. So there seems to be the loss of center. And in order to grab those small percentages and try and make them grow, things have gone extreme left or extreme right. And quite honestly, I think the majority, like I agree with you, the majority of Canadians don't want to be on either one of those extremes we'd like to move back to the center where there seems to be less overreach because depending on which extreme you are there yeah. is overreach the far the farther away from center you go Great so point. i do agree with you these are very troubling times um you know right now our prime minister is at the g7 and that's where you know he should be with the other leaders of the free world but you know eventually he's going to have to come back and he tried to have christian freeland uh, reverse the narrative around uh, the the coming, uh, the looming recession by saying that Canada can so- bounce softly in it. I'm not sure how, but hmm. eventually he's going to have to come back and address the concerns that Canadians have about day-to-day spending.
2: Alyssa Freeman, PR and pop culture expert. Always fun, Alyssa. Have a great weekend.
1: And wave your flag, Scott.
2: I will. Scott Thompson isn't satisfied with an answer. He'll
1: delve into the issue until he is.
0: You're listening to Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson. On Hamilton's News, today's talk. 900 CHML.
2: All right. It seems that we've been talking forever about what has been happening uh, at uh, major airports in this country, specifically Toronto. And as we slowly come out of this uh, global pandemic and people are obviously traveling again, uh, we have seen unbelievable lineups, congestion what have you and uh, boy even last night images of just rows and rows and rows and rows and rows of bags that have just been uh, you know, stacked up uh, in in these giant hangars and such uh, to talk more about all of this Barry Choi is with his travel expert there's chatter that uh, Air Canada going to reduce its flight schedule in order to try to get caught up on all of this and Barry's here now Barry thanks for the time I hope you're well I'm good thanks for having me First of all, your thoughts on Air Canada saying it is reducing its schedule through July and August to try to get things under control. Uh, Is this going to help?
8: You know what? I laughed out loud when I saw this announcement last night. Will it help? Hopefully. Will it make consumers happy? Not at all. I think everyone should be furious. Uh, You know, travels bounced back. The airlines did not recover. Keep in mind, it's not just Air Canada. It's lots of airlines around the world. But, you know, at the same time, they should have seen this coming, right?
2: So, where else is this going on? Is it going in major going on in major airports in Canada? Is it going on in the smaller airports like the Calgaries and the Ottawas? Is it going on in the U.S.?
8: You know, I think it's basically any major airport that sees a lot of connections. Uh, you know, Lufthansa just a few days ago released a similar statement that they're going to cut back uh, on their flights, and you know, they're a major hub in Frankfurt, London Heathrow, major hub for for a lot of airlines, uh, British Airways, to get across Europe. You know they're all struggling because what's happening is a lot of the airlines don't have the manpower so so with the baggage things people are simply just missing their connections or not enough time to get the baggage on a lot of times we've talked in the past before how you know passengers are being held on planes you know what well, passengers are being held on planes so was their luggage so there's just this hmm. backlog that just can't get through it's 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 uh it's crazy what a domino effect that started with long lineups has become what it is now
2: Uh, I'm hearing anecdotally that it's not happening as much in the United States, that they seem to have a handle on it. Is that accurate?
8: You know, I think it really depends on the airport. Some of the U.S., they probably staffed up a bit better. Uh, You know, they've certainly got the population to handle it. And keep in mind, the U.S., they didn't really shut down. When you think about it, travel in the U.S. remained Hmm. similar uh, in the sense that there was just more domestic travel. So, yeah, now that there's passengers coming from internationally, they've just shifted their resources, but they didn't really downsize as much as uh, the international community has. So I'm not surprised that, you know, maybe they haven't ha- felt it as much, but it doesn't matter if you're flying to the U.S. and your baggage doesn't leave Pearson, right? Hmm. So
2: um, so they're canceling flights, reducing the amount of flights over summer, which is obviously a busy travel period. So you're not waiting at the airport, but you'll be waiting at home trying to get an available flight.
8: <laughs> That's exactly it. You know, I, for people who've read this, this email, this message from Air Canada, I think it's a bit silly. You know, they're like the fact that, oh, we've made our our scheduling, our fares more flexible so you can change them. If they really want to be flexible, especially after this announcement, they should make all fares fully refundable. That would that would give back consumer confidence. But they're just not doing that. And and it's, it's just a silly game. So so what now I'm supposed to book a ticket, hope it doesn't get canceled. And if it does cancel, I'm not sure when I'll be able to rebook it or if I'll even have vacation time because what if all the flights in August are canceled too? What's the point then, right?
2: Uh, are these largely domestic flights that are being? It's happening too.
8: You know, they the, the statement says it isn't affecting international, so that implies that it's dom- domestic and transporter. I would have to guess that a lot of the smaller uh, airports are probably going to be affected the most, where where maybe the passenger loads aren't as high or any route that's you know maybe not as profitable. will probably see the cuts first.
2: Barry Choi with us, travel expert, talking about where we are now at the airport and wherever your luggage is uh, trying to get on a plane this summer. Barry, as always, thanks for the time. Have a great weekend.
0: You too. Have a good one. You're listening to the Hamilton Today podcast from 900 CHML.
2: All right. uh, As we heard the uh, Premier say earlier on uh, in the newscast, uh, there will be a reduction in the provincial sales tax on gas uh, going into effect as of July 1st, as of midnight tonight, uh, lowering the prices by 5.7 cents and going to drop a little bit on their own as well over the course of the weekend, it sounds like. Let's bring in Dan McTagg, president of Canadians for Affordable Energy, former Liberal MP he is with us now Dan thank you for the time I hope you're well
9: I'm doing fine and thank you for uh thank you for asking Scott
2: so what what happens exactly this weekend it seems that we've got a reduction in the in the gas tax of course but there's also a drop on, on its own is that accurate
9: that's right uh, 6.4 compliments of the provincial government and 4.6 thanks to the market and hey that's uh that's just for tomorrow you can hold off till Saturday it drops another six cents a liter you won't be seeing any gas station above 187.9 uh in the next uh, 30 in 36 hours from now
2: many have said uh you know as soon as you do this then the gas companies just suck up the uh, middle and there's no real long-term uh, benefits to any of this so uh I, I guess we don't give us relief i don't know um any any accuracy to any of that
9: Nope, not true at all, and uh, I've got 30-some-odd years to prove it, but uh, if anything, it's coincidental. By the way, Scott, uh, we did see back on the May 2-4 weekend a drop of, what, $0.14 cents a litre? So here it is, the Canada Day uh, dropping $0.11 cents a litre, Um, I think maybe there's a message here uh, folks Uh, it's nice to talk about it nice to think that way but uh, that's not the way the market works and it's really driven out of what we see in the United States so that's the good news in all this it's a myth and uh, it's a myth that's dying very hard thankfully
2: Uh, what's the what's the message what's the what's the mixed messaging here well,
9: the messaging is in terms of these high prices, uh, nothing short of what we're seeing right now is going to end, uh, you know, very well for, uh, uh, for Canadians as long as they continue to uh, believe that the provincial government can act, but the federal government is immune. More importantly, on the same day or even the same weekend, the federal government announces its clean fuel standards, something you and I have talked about umptium times here, won't have an effect for the, ne- for the next year, but once refiners run out of uh, ethanol to blend, uh, and that won't be enough to meet the uh, the regulations, the strict intensity regulations, that's what they're calling them. Uh, then you and I are going to be treated to a 20 cent a litre second carbon tax increase over the next seven years. And uh, that'll be on top of the other uh, 30 cents that you owe them. So uh, <laughs> I don't know how to slice it any other way, but to be very blunt, uh, you know, if you like what Trudeau and company are doing, then continue paying more for gasoline, diesel, jet fuel, rail fuel, uh, buses, public transit, and of course now food. You voted for this.
2: Uh, I I have a hard time understanding. Um, for example, Germany, who is one of the most innovative countries there are in in the world, uh, it, it certainly was or is at the forefront of renewable energy, uh, this sort of thing. And they're begging Canada for natural gas, liquid natural gas. They're not asking for wind turbines. They're not asking for solar panels. They're not asking for electric vehicles they're asking for our natural gas what part of this message are we missing because again it seems that it's either one extreme or the other when many have said the solution to this problem is going to be a mixture of you know all we have all hands on deck
9: green catastrophism is now leading to economic catastrophe for germany and for much of europe Uh, This is going to be a very tough year for them. They know that they are not going to be able to run their industry, uh, be able to keep the power grid uh, up and alive and charged unless they burn coal, because they've forsaken not just coal, but oil and natural gas. They thought it was uh, just too dirty. And, uh, you know, a trillion, that's one with a T, a trillion dollars later, after 30 years of nonsense, we've now painted ourselves into a corner. And uh, most other countries are pulling away very quickly. They're, they're peeling off. They're saying this this was really dumb and stupid because windmills and photovoltaics and EVs and biomass, which is stupid uh, when you think about burning trees in order to say it's net neutral, only because you're planting more trees afterwards. That aside, here you have one only, <laughs> one only only one single country left. That's Canada saying, hey, let's do more. Let's have two carbon taxes, not one. Let's regulate the market. Let's kill our oil and gas sector. Let's stop. Uh, the world from getting the cleanest available energies in the world coming from my country with the third largest provable reserves in the world. You just can't write such stupidity up, but such is the case of, and I got to come back to it. You voted NDP, you voted liberal, you voted green, you paid for this uh, foolishness and Europeans are now saying, please, for God's sakes, Canada, don't follow our woke stupidity.
2: How long can the prime minister's office refuse to talk about this?
9: Oh well, they'll try to lie and deceive, but they're you know obviously it's 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 more woke culture is, culturalism than it what is reality. Uh, this is not a party or a government that is very firmly rooted in reality. And as long as they've got the NDP propping them up, Meet who knows he hasn't got a hope in hell uh, or a snowball's chance. As long as they're going to prop them up, they've got two to three years to really really mess things up. So, look, folks, you know Scott, people don't have to take what i have been saying for some time i said we get to two dollars a liter we're going to go much higher at some point down the road if that isn't enough if food prices going up 35 40 isn't enough to convince you then maybe interest rates at five or six or seven percent should do the trick because at the end of all of this i'm not sure what it's going to take to explode in the minds of canadian the realities of what is uh, in front of them but for a lot of people, I think the pushback is now starting to come. And you, you're starting to see that today with people saying, hang on a second. The province is trying to do what it can. It's made a gesture. Why isn't the federal government complimenting that? Not only are they not complimenting it, they're actually prepared to make it more arduous, more hmm. difficult. And so if I hear someone come up and say, oh, uh, oil companies won't pass on the, uh, the tax decrease, but you have no trouble with the federal government fleecing you. Uh, cards on the table, by the way. I'm an 18-year, I was an 18-year Liberal member of Parliament, and I held the consumer file for the Liberal Party. This is not the party of your mom and dad. This is a cult that couldn't give a damn about affordability, and you and I are going to pay through the nose on everything as a result of our ignorance.
2: Dan McTagg with us, President of Canadians for Affordable Energy, former Liberal MP, and provincially, gas prices going down at midnight tonight. There's the good news in all of this. And, of course, Dan, uh, I'll say a lot if I told you so. Thank you, Dan. As always, have yourself a great Canada Day, eh? And you, my friend, eh? Take off. And we all know where we are as far as um, uh, prices and inflation and the cost of living and such. The good news at midnight tonight, there is some relief at the gas pumps uh, as the province lowers some sales tax on uh, gasoline, helping us a bit. No word if the Feds are going to do anything. Uh, nothing from that department yet. Uh, but as economic growth, uh, as we see this happening, uh, will economic growth slow? It seems in April it has. Also, more chatter amongst uh, unions and labor experts and such that uh, we may see some um, uh, some strikes and people just asking for more money as we see inflation uh, sitting at 7.7%. To talk more about all of this- this Ian Lee is with us, Associate Professor, Sprott School of Business, Carleton University, and with us now. Ian, as always, thank you so much for the time. I hope you're well.
5: I'm doing very well, thanks, lot on this beautiful, sunny summer day in Canada.
2: So as we are heading into uh, this uh, Canada Day-long weekend, and we're seeing inflation at about 7.7% uh, rates, uh, raises, if you were lucky enough to get one last year, probably sitting around 1% to 2%, how much do you think the cost of living raise is going to be this year? Uh, when we're seeing inflation at what it is,
5: well, we've got the data coming out from StatsCan, and the wages are actually uh, they are creeping up. Uh, people may not feel that, but the uh, the wage increases are running around four percent, according to StatsCan, which is much higher than a year or a year and a half ago. The problem, of course, is that inflation is running quite a bit higher than that. So even if you're even if you are getting a wage increase of four percent you are still losing about 3.5% real annual on your gross annual income. So just take your salary and 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 take 3.5%. Where do I get that number? Well, if inflation right now is, in round numbers, 7.5, and you're averaging, I realize I'm dealing with averages because I have to, there's 38 million of us, um, but if you're averaging 4% wage increase and the prices are going up 7.5, well, that means you're losing 3.5%. That's what inflation means. If you don't get your income does not go up equal to inflation, then you're losing. If your income goes up equal to inflation, you stood still. You didn't go forward. Where you your standard of living goes up is when your wages go up more than the cost of living. So if the cost of living is going at 2%, as it was for many, many years, 1.5 to 2, and wage increases were around 3, well, you are increasing every year a little bit, maybe 1%, maybe 1.5, but it was going up. Right now, most canadians are taking a hit that is to say their standard of living is declining a little bit each year because their income is uh, not going up as quickly as prices
2: um, we knew are we, we know coming out of this global pandemic that the economy was heating up uh, that things were moving along pretty well we are are we start, starting to hear sounds of that slowing down now
5: uh, i think so and the reason i think so is because, uh, as I've said to you before, Scott, I lived through the 1970s as a young man in my 20s. I was And I was right at the heart of the storm, so to speak. I was in a bank. Banks lend money. They bring money in on deposits. That's where we put our paychecks and our savings. And it goes out when we borrow from the bank for a car loan, for a mortgage. So let me tell you, you really see the impact of interest rates up close and personal as they say in Hollywood, the name of that movie. And, and so my point being that I know there's some people saying, oh, interest rates don't really impact except just make things more expensive for me. They're wrong. When you increase interest rates and keep, keep increasing interest rates steadily, it cools down the economy. I saw it in, up close and personal in the 70s. This ain't theory I'm talking about. This is reality. and And it reduces the cools the economy for a very obvious reason. If more you're paying more on interest than before, you as a business or you as a person, as a consumer, then obviously you have less money in your pocket left over to spend on going to the restaurant or doing a rental or doing buying a holiday, going on a holiday. So the whole idea of the interest rate increase is it just diverts money that you have for discretionary spending on all the other things you do, going to movies, going camping, whatever, whatever, and it means you have less money to do that because you've got to divert more money into the increased cost of borrowing. That's precisely and exactly how interest rates going up cool the economy. And so I think by the end of the year, they're, they're going to have significantly cooled the economy. And very quickly, Scott, we're seeing it in the data right now for real estate. In GTA, in Hamilton, Vancouver, we're seeing it. And uh, in fact, the TD, Toronto Dominion, the chief economist, and they're there was the largest mortgage lender in Canada. They're predicting a 20% decline, average home prices across canada over the next 12 to 18 months and you know that 20 percent significance i'm we're not talking a collapse we're not talking mm. armageddon or apocalypse now i mean after all prices went up dramatically too in the remember in the last two years
8: so,
2: obviously, with uh, raises not keeping up to inflation, uh, now we're in a, a post-pandemic scenario. How long before there are labor disruptions? How long before people are going to start banging on doors for more money, obviously? And when it comes to uh, health contracts, education contracts, that sort yes. of thing?
5: Scott, you've just asked a question that I think keeps everyone at the Bank of Canada up every night and gives them nightmares. Uh, they're, they're literally in a race against time right now. And I'm not trying to be melodramatic. They're trying to cool down the economy more quickly than union leaders and workers start saying, wait a minute, I've had enough. I want an increase. And so there is literally a race against time because if they can cool down the economy and people can see it cooling down through declining inflation rates and declining prices, then there's going to be less motivation Lessons have to say, hey, let's go out on strike. Because, you know, going on strike is not a picnic. Uh, people may, you know, claim that, but it's not. It's hard on everybody. It's hard on the workers. They don't get on strike what they get when they're working, not a, not a fraction of it. So it costs people to go on strike. It's costly. And so you don't do it uh, flippantly. You do it as a last resort. And so what I'm arguing is that the Bank of Canada is desperately, desperately trying to cool things down. And I don't mean in three or five years. How about in the next 90 days? They want to see it cooling down so that they can say publicly in their speeches and and press conferences, hey, everybody, we got it under control. Calm down. Don't worry. Don't have to go for a big strike, big wage increase. We're bringing them back down. But I don't think they have a year and a half to do this. I mean, I, I think they've got to be producing results by the fall before unions and workers start to demand much bigger wage increases.
2: How do you do that?
5: Well, by showing evidence, and I mean the CPI going down. By showing, by prices declining in a grocery store, there's some things we focus on. Everybody knows this. We watch the price of gas at the pump. I do every day, even when I'm not fueling up my car. You know, I don't drive that much, but I drive mm. down the street and I'm always watching. Oh, there's that gas station. Look, they got a little bit better. They're a couple of cents a uh, liter cheaper. So we focus on gasoline and, of course, the groceries. And then there's a few things, you know, in the grocery store you focus on, whether it's a pound of hamburger or, you know, or it's potatoes or whatever. There's Everyone has their own favorite foods that they use as their benchmarks. So they've got to show uh, through their uh, measures of cooling the economy that some of these benchmark figures are going to go down. And, you know, the good news is, it, it is not impossible. We could see uh, oil prices, which of course drive uh, price at the pump, we could see them cooling down, uh, either because uh, Putin backs off or the war in Ukraine comes to an end, or more supply comes on. I was looking hmm. after I last talked to you, I went and looked up the data from the U.S. Department of Energy. And those uh, fracking wells and those uh, um, uh, wells out in the Midwest, you know, in in the Dakotas and around there, apparently they're pumping at all-time records and the number of new wells that have opened have increased in the last 90 days by something like 150%. So the the oil producers are reacting. And then there's a lag between the time you say, hey, get out there in the field, open up that new well and start pumping and the time it shows up, you know, at gas stations. Hmm. So I think in another 90 days, you know, three months by the fall. Of course the heavy driving will be over by the fall, but I think you're gonna see more supply coming into the market. And more supply coming into the market will guess what? Drive down prices. I'm not saying we're going back down to a dollar twenty a liter, but how about if we get down to a dollar fifty or a dollar seventy five by November? I think that then people the pressure for wage increases will be diminishing.
2: Ian Lee with his associate professor, Sprott School of Business, Carleton University. As always, Ian, thanks so much for the time. Be well. Have a great weekend.
5: Thanks very much, Scott. Happy
0: Canada Day. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Hamilton Today podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday afternoons from 3 to 6 on 900CHML and online at 900CHML.com.
2: All right, that's it for us. Thanks for listening. As always, greatly appreciated. Have yourself a great long weekend. Happy Canada Day, eh? And as always, we leave it to you, the taxpayer customer, to have the last word. Hi, my name's Danny. Oski Weewee, Oski Wawa, Holy
0: Mackinac, Happy Canada, Eat'em Raw!